The following interview was recorded on Tuesday, May 31, 2022 at the International French School, Singapore, Web Radio Lab. Hello and welcome <laughs> everyone. This is Colin Daly and Parkour Ed, where I sit down with members of the IFS community. We can get to know them and the steps that they took to end up where they are today. We have a very special guest here and I'm going to let her introduce herself explaining her name, which is a very unique and lovely name. Well, hello. Thanks for having me. My name is Marie Papillon, so it's easy to remember. Right. Butterfly. How did you get the name Marie Papillon or Marie Papillon? How do people it. There's a lot of different pronunciations. There's Papillion, I heard many times, and then the spelling changes with the I-O-N at the end. My dad is French, Olivier Papillon. The name Papillon comes from the Lyon region of France, I believe. It used to be a longer one, and now it's Papillon. And is your mother French too? And my mom is American. So my dad got to pick the name of my sister, Carol, and then my mom got to pick my name, Marie. And they were looking for a name that would work in both the States and France. So I ended up with Marie. Do you ever get the Marie-Mary confusion yeah, going on definitely. With I uh, practice with my students every year. This is Mo. Like the cow, and then re, Marie. <laughs> I do not like Mary. I always think that Mary Poppins and Merry Christmas. So, yeah, it's Marie, not Mary. How about the American side of things, the tradition of having more than one name? Well, the French do that as well, mm -hmm. too. But in the United States, we generally have a first name, a middle name, and a last name. Do you have a middle name? Or, I do. Or I do have, you have the French version with 15 middle names? I have two middle names. I have my two great-grandmother's names. So I have Germaine, and I have Edna, the French and American. Not so modern. Not so modern. Great-grandmothers. So, yes. Yeah, exactly. Your dad was from France. Mm -hmm. Was he born in the Lyon region? Because no. his name's from there, or where was he born? The name was originally from there. My husband is a big... Um, genealogy freak so he's looked it up which is quite interesting in the end my dad's from bordeaux so the whole family is from the bordeaux region and your mother is american she was born in brooklyn new york and then she did a lot of traveling she lived in oklahoma and chicago and other places what was her maiden name frobe f-r-o-e-b so it's german my mother has german origin so it's the wildemut and the frobe and then it became uh, Frobe, Americanized. Sitting across from you, blonde hair and blue-eyed, I find that very easy to believe. For you to come on the scene, of mm -hmm. course, your parents had to meet somehow. How did that happen? My mom was studying French, and she went abroad from Boulder, Colorado. She was studying there. She's a big skier. And uh, she went to Bordeaux for a year, and she ended up going... It's a funny story. She ended up going to a concert that she did not want to go to, and my dad was the drummer, and so she fell in love with the drummer. That was in 1970. And they got married in 1973. You have a sister. You also have a brother. So exactly. you're one of three. Where do you situate yourself I'm in the comfy family? comfy in the middle. So were you all born in Bordeaux? Close to Bordeaux, in Pessac. All yeah, three I've of read, us. I've read that on a couple of bottles before Pessac. Pessac is the wine region. You don't sound like someone who spent your whole childhood living in Bordeaux, even with an American mother. So from the time you were born until you started school. Actually, so. both my parents were teachers. And they went to teach in Algeria. So I grew up my first about eight years in Algeria. 
And what were your parents teaching? English. Were they teaching in a French school in Algeria? In an Algerian school, Ooh, both what, of them. What part of Algeria? So first in Tebessa and then in Mascara, so near Oran. There were expat teachers from about 1978 to 1988. So they spent almost 10 years there. So I was born in Pessac, and two weeks later I was in Algeria because it was almost the rentrée scolaire and we all had to go over there. Do you have memories from growing up there? I have a lot of memories. And I think my mom took so many pictures. We have so many albums that my memories go with the albums. I remember the school vividly. We had one teacher teaching from CP to CM2 in one room, and there was about 12 of us. So he was just running around like crazy trying to teach everybody. There was one CP, four C1s, two C2s, and so just going back and forth. Is that when you were in CP? I was in CP. With kids who were in CM2, the yeah. equivalent of grade five or fifth grade. So it was a big room yeah. and you had a black chalkboard on one side and another one on the other side. So we had the two half and half and he would just go here and there. And I don't remember the learning part. I remember all the art projects. Funny. His wife would come and help. I remember that big room. I remember the, the recess. I remember the playing, but I don't remember the learning. So it must have been good and fun because I have no hey, bad memories. One room schoolhouse kind of one stuff. One room. Yeah. What levels were your parents teaching? And my dad was teaching high school. He's always been an English high school teacher and my mom was doing high school also at was the time. The, was the high school also small? They had two English teachers, so... It, it was two different schools, actually. Ah, two different so they schools. did two okay. different things and I don't know how big the, the school was. I don't know. My parents have a lot of stories about Algeria. Mostly, you know, just really, really different and there's lots of difficult aspects and beautiful aspects. It's uh, just very different. A really cool experience, for sure. And so what happened when you left? So 1988, we went back to France and uh, spent the rest of the primary school, collège, lycée in France. And then I studied in uh, university. I was still in Bordeaux. Then at university, I moved to Paris to study Mandarin. And then with that, I started traveling again. In my family, everybody travels. You say, oh, I'm going to move on the other side of the planet. And they say, okay, good for you. You know, it's a family of travelers. When you moved back from Algeria, was it back to Pesach? So we actually went to Bazas, very small town town and uh, Les Landes. Did you remember what the adjustment was like? Obviously you had an older sister and a younger brother. So I arrived, I was in the end of C1 and I remember this massive room with all the desk and the rows and this teacher that was really, really strict. And so I didn't speak to her for the whole year. I guess it was a little hard and it was an adjustment. I remember just a lot of people and very, very different. During the time you were growing up, both in Algeria and when you moved back to France, what languages did you speak at home? My mom made the, the effort to always speak in English to us. We systematically answered in French because there was more French around us. My dad always spoke French. And my parents, as a couple, they speak French together. It, it depends on the time of the day. So my mom gets tired after seven and we're not allowed to correct her anymore. And we switched English. Well, you went up to Paris after you graduated from high school. You know, you got your baccalauréat. You went up to Paris yeah. to study Mandarin. What gave you the idea to study Mandarin? What was the influence? I had the opportunity to study it in high school. So it was my third language. So I did three years of Mandarin in high school. I was in a pretty cool high school, Magendi in Bordeaux, and they had uh, about 13 rare languages. So we had a great opportunity in the OIB sections and the European sections, and so Mandarin. I always loved the musicality of Mandarin, the, the melody and, and the food too. There was a big attraction to the characters and the, uh, many, many things about it. And then with two parents who were teachers, they could not help me, they could not correct me. So I had found something that would be just my own, so that was an asset. Then I had the opportunity to go to the 
the Inalco, the Longzo. And so I went to Paris after that to continue. And how long was that program? So the licence itself is four years. So then I did a year abroad in Taiwan. Then I came back to do a master's in Français Langue Étrangère, so the FLE, mm-hmm. um, with Mandarin. It was really interesting because it was a multicultural and plurilingual master's. So it was more about how to be a foreigner abroad and how to teach French as a foreign language and how to interact and the whole didactics of languages. It was, it was really, really interesting master's. Were you able to uh, apply lessons that you learned for teaching French abroad to teaching mm-hmm. English and maybe even your own Mandarin learning as well? I still definitely use them. There was one class in particular. We had to pick a language that we knew nothing about. So I ended up learning Greek just for us to realize what those allophone and those kids who have no language would feel like. So that was quite interesting. So that was in, in the master's. And then with it, I did a, a year of stage in Minnesota and I went to a French immersion school as Now, an intern. I want to talk about Minnesota because mm-hmm. it's near and dear to my heart. Absolutely. Because I'm from there. But before we go to Minnesota, I want to go back to Taiwan, which mm-hmm. is also a place that I'm familiar yeah. with and very fond of. Where did you live in Taiwan? I lived in the mountain in Yangmingshan near Taipei. Is yeah. that the Chinese Culture University? Is that yeah. what it was called? Say that again? How long were you in Taiwan? Just one school year. School was that year. your final year? It was part of my master's? licence. So I oh. took a, yeah, a year with the licence. I validated a couple of credits being there. But when we had the opportunity to grow abroad, when we were presented with different options, we had options to go to China or Taiwan, and it was hard to choose. But then in Taiwan, we were in the dorms with Taiwanese people, Taiwanese girls. And then in China, it would have been, you know, the foreigners building. And so it was a little different that way. And so that's how I picked Taiwan. It was beautiful. Beautiful year, beautiful opportunity. That was the first place where I worked abroad at the French school in Taipei. Do you have any specific memories of things that you would do or see at that time on a regular basis? Actually, I signed up for a Kung Fu class. I did that three times a week, and that's how I met people that I'm still in touch with. It was about 25 people, mostly boys, but also girls, and we went with a couple of friends. And these people just helped us so much with the speaking because they would not allow us to speak English at all. They said, no, we're just going to help you through it. But we always had the Kung Fu class, and then we had dinner afterwards. And that was just drilling and, and language learning and just great opportunity. And then we did those, you know, choreography on the, the, the big courtyards and, and just things that you see in movies. And I felt like I was in a movie, and I've always been fascinated by Kung Fu and martial arts and Tai Chi. and So that was one of the big highlight for me. Fast forward, you, you went and did the learning of language mm-hmm. where you studied Greek and you finished in France and yeah. then you said you did the stage you went to mm-hmm. internship in St. Paul, Minnesota. Exactly. So what was the name of the school? L'Etoile du Nord. Was this a private school, a public school? Public school, but French immersion school. So everything in French and uh, mostly American school, American students. How about colleagues? Colleagues from everywhere. So really, really fun. Colleagues from Africa, Cameroon, from Belgium, and then a lot of Americans who had traveled and they had a specific reason for speaking French and they were all different. Canadian teachers, French, of course. Fascinating in a small school. So you got to know everybody really fast. And we had host families. We got to know people really quickly that way too. So you lived with a 
the family. Exactly. So all the interns were with the family. There was a group of maybe seven or eight of us, and we're just dispatched in all the classrooms. I got to see three or four different levels throughout the year. I would help out in kindergarten and first grade and third grade, sixth grade. So really, really interesting. Was this a paid internship? No, 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 no. You were working and learning, studying, but did you already have your diploma? No, it was part of my master's. So with my experience in the French immersion school, I used it to write my thesis for master's and I wanted to specialize in immersion teaching. So it was a great opportunity. I had this American passport my whole life, but I had never lived in in the States. So there was my my ticket to go over there. Your mom was originally born in Brooklyn, originally Mm -hmm. from New York. So you have an American passport, gives you access to 50 states and a bunch of other territories. What brought you to Minnesota? It was just an opportunity with the master's. We had somebody who came in with the Cordell Hall Foundation, and they were helping student teachers to go abroad and different schools. Since I have family members all over the States, I thought Minnesota was pretty central, and then I could go and and see everybody. So it was just more for the school and the opportunity than the place. I didn't know anything about Minnesota, honestly. Growing up there, I always had the impression that it was a pretty cosmopolitan place in Mm -hmm. spite of the rural nature and how far away Mm -hmm. it is from the coasts, and that bilingual education has always been an extreme important area of study in Minnesota, especially at the University of Minnesota. They have a very important Mm -hmm. language center there where they've done a lot of research on bilingual education. Yeah, I don't know if it's the influence of Canada, but they are very well known for their education, I've learned, you know, because I spent nine years there. But it was fascinating, this German immersion and Ojibwe immersion schools and Mandarin immersion schools. The focus on languages and education is huge I I couldn't stay only one year there. It was fascinating. There is a famous summer camp, and it's actually a year-round camp because they do school programs sponsored by Concordia University, Mm -hmm. which is not the Concordia in Montreal that everybody's heard of, but Concordia, Minnesota. It's the language immersion camps. Absolutely. And they do all types of languages. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have a chance to? I took my students every year, the Lac du Bois. Absolutely. So we were in the Swedish house and the Finnish house, and it's a fascinating place. We always went in the winter when the lake was completely frozen and we were frozen. Never forget when I was in eighth grade, the equivalent of quatrième, I got to go for a three-day weekend mm-hmm. with my classmates. It was our first experience of actually trying to speak French that we were learning in class. Yeah. We had a very low level, but mm-hmm. it was a, a very powerful experience. Yeah, very well organized, very hands-on too. So how did an unpaid internship that was supposed to last a year mm-hmm. end up being eight years in Minnesota? I know. So I finished my master's. I went back to present my thesis and And the principal at the school said, you could stay, you could teach here with your master's, you could have a variance and be allowed to teach and then get my elementary school teaching license. So I came back, I had a second grade class and I was teaching all day and I was taking courses in the evening at Hamlin University. I did that for two years, just studying in the evening and teaching during the day. And I got my elementary teaching license doing that. So it was exhausting, but it was also perfect to just teach the next day what you had learn the night before and just be able to analyze with other people and so very powerful so I just uh, started teaching that way that's old school that's the way the école normale used to be run teachers would 
learn their lessons, how to teach, and then go right into the classroom and, and put it. it into practice and there you go. with a little supervision. So had you not returned to Minnesota, had you stayed in France, would you have then gone on to pass the CAPES, or would you already have had a teaching certificate? You weren't oriented towards teaching while you were doing your master's? Not exactly, and I don't know what I would have done. So it was really just a passion. You were curious about language, and you were interested. It was what you liked yeah. to do. You weren't necessarily planning your future career no. while you were studying. No, not at all. It was a way to go to the States. It was a way to finish the master's. And, uh, you know, both my parents are teachers. And I thought, eh, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages. I did not know I wanted to be a teacher. and But the, the, the immersion way of teaching was so interesting. And, you know, teaching is interesting. But to teach in a different language, to have the whole component, I thought it was just what I wanted to do after all. I, I had thought about going to teach English in China or French. But the CAPES, no, I don't think I had the, the level. And when I was studying, there were maybe two positions opening for the Kepis and I don't know how many candidates. It just worked out that way, I guess. Then from Minnesota, you met <laughs> a friend we have in common. Exactly. Your husband. And your son was born there too, your yep. first son. Absolutely. Yes. All right. And then you applied and you came. Yeah. I met James. We were teaching in the same school across the hall from each other. I think in 2013, we were in need of a change. And you and Marie actually, right. you know, kept That's telling right. us about Singapore and, you know, there's lots of opportunities and your profile would be interesting for and the school. You were exactly the, the profile mm -hmm. for the school yeah. that was going through some huge changes in the yeah. bilingual education. And so you came and we being came. able to speak Mandarin, coming to Asia must have been kind of like a homecoming. That right? was a huge bonus for me. The day we leave, it's going to be one of the big things that I miss, hearing Mandarin every day, having that, that opportunity. So yeah. that was nine years ago? So that was nine years ago. Apparently I seem to do cycles of nine years. What have you been doing for the past nine years? What have you been teaching here? So the first year, I was teaching English in primary and uh, I'm not an English teacher you know it's there's a different energy that you put in being a language teacher or a specialty teacher than being an elementary school teacher yeah it's kind of what you call in French uh, intervenant uh, somebody who comes yeah, in and, exactly. and maybe sees 80 kids in a week instead of really mm -hmm. having your kids yeah right? exactly and so. I'm more of a diesel you know I like to start slowly and organize my day and, and it, I, I was really frustrated having kids three hours a week and now, having to move from room to room and you know I don't know how to teach without the walls and my posters and everything. Was, at the time was that called Emile? Were you doing Emile? Or so I was doing Emile and I was doing just English. Do you remember what Emile stands for? I should Emile know. stands for teaching subject matter in an integrated language. So I did that and I had my little suitcase and I was going from room to room trying to teach geography and math and, and, and everything in English and it was the first year it was implemented so it was interesting. It was interesting. But after one year, I was exhausted, just the whole running around. And I really missed having my class and having my students and getting to know them, being part of their lives. That's what I like about elementary school. So I started teaching CM1, fourth grade, and that's what I've been doing for eight years. So, yeah. And teaching fun. in English. Teaching in English. With a French partner. Yeah. I teach with the lovely Nathalie Mars. Yes, I know her yeah, well. We exactly. work together. Exactly. You guys are together. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been eight years of, of fun and great, great, great opportunities. And yeah, eight great years. The COVID years, notwithstanding, have been challenging. But mm -hmm. before that, what were some of the highlights that you can think back to? Do you have any big trips or any type of productions? You guys did some pretty big productions every year. 
We Natalie Natalie taught me how to write a play script and put a whole theater play together. She's very passionate about it and she's taught me a lot. And so every year we do a big theater play yeah. and we absolutely love it. It's a big highlight of our year. It's so amazing the mm -hmm. progress the kids make yeah. and what they're capable of. I know exactly what you're talking about and I've seen the work you've done and it's the kind of thing that I, I probably never would have mm -hmm. dared attempt if hadn't been given the confidence and the help. But exactly. And, and there's so many things in the English Plus stream that you attempt because there's someone else. And so, you know, you can talk it out and work it out. I think we worked out so well because we're very complementary. We both see it differently, but we're both very open-minded, just like the IFS. We've been able to work this out. But uh, yeah, I think it, it's both ways, you know. I think back to the times when I was working in the Anglais Plus bilingual mm. stream. And it's challenging because there's so much meeting and sharing and, and mm -hmm. explaining and negotiating what they call concertation mm -hmm. and it's time consuming but it's so rewarding and comforting mm -hmm. because you get feedback it can be a lonely job it's, I mean, it's sometimes you can feel isolating. kind of lonely when you're doing it on your own but mm -hmm. uh, that's not the case and I know for a fact she appreciated mm -hmm. different viewpoints and mm -hmm. working with somebody from another teaching background even though yeah. you know you're French you're completely French and American yeah. 100% both mm -mm. Well, I came here and I discovered the BO and, uh, and all the French curriculum. I've been through it as a kid, so right. it was very useful, obviously. But it's completely different. It's a different way of teaching on many levels. So it's been fun to bring the American way of teaching and, and use the French way of teaching. But I'm getting a little too French now in my way of teaching. What are some of the main That's differences that you notice? I think the curriculum in, in America is, I don't know, I don't have a good word for it, but it's not as rich and dense as the French one. I think that's a big highlight of the French curriculum. There's a lot of geography and history and, and art history. And it's, it's rich. It's very interesting. We try to touch on everything in, in elementary and it's, you know, it's light but it's very fun. In the States, there was, you know, an hour and a half of math and an hour of writing and an hour of reading and five days a week. And it always felt like, oh my God, this is, you know, the day is long and we're still doing this. There's more things to teach. But, you know, everything is good and bad. So then you don't always have time to teach it all. And then I, I like to emerge the kids into a subject and then see what they can get out of it before I explain anything. And so sometimes I don't have the time here, which is frustrating. Especially when you go back and forth between two classes, two classes with kids and you only yeah. see them two and a half days a week. Yeah, that's it pretty much. And you keep switching every day and you know so it's hard you complement each other but staying in communication mm -hmm. is really important constantly i start a math skill and, and natalie continues it the next day and then she has to tell me who understood i have to tell her okay this one i got through the skill now you need to work with that one so math is a constant constant cooperation so we need to talk all the time you know after eight years we teach everything almost bilingually which is really fun but yes we have to get along and you have to have time you do and you need to breathe sometimes and do your own own thing and get away from work. I know it's hard for us to break mm -hmm. away sometimes, but we do when we need to. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. What are some of your passions or your hobbies or the things mm -hmm. that you like to do to blow off steam on your own or with your family? I love to sing. I yeah. always love to sing. I think it helps in any kind of mood. There's always a music for any kind of mood and singing is liberating. So I love to sing. I have the privilege of singing with you. Oh yeah, we've had uh -huh. a lot of fun doing that. Mm -mm -mm. What are some of the projects that you've done with, you've done some 
singing. Well, Natalie as well. Natalie as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Natalie is part of the choir for the opera. And uh, we sang together at a community center and we sang at the Esplanade, which was quite amazing. We sang the Carmina Burana Mm. in a choir with 90 singers. So that was huge, huge memory for me. That's something I will cherish for a long time. Yeah, that was beautiful. Beautiful. Very powerful to sing with that many people. And it's such an amazing thing to sing too. So beautiful. And then with Nathalie Ribet, I took a, it was funny, I took a kind of a musical theater class with her. So I did that, which was really fun. Learned a lot about singing and interpreting and and looking at text and just singing with different bands and and little opportunities like the sing-a-thon. Music's in the family. Your dad was a drummer, right? My dad was a drummer and my mom was a singer. She went to the conservatoire and she's a big singer. Um, How about your brothers and sisters? My sister sings really well. She plays the guitar. My brother is a big guitar player. He plays really well and sings very well as well. We love to sing, definitely. I I always think music is the best language. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I like beautiful voices. You know, it goes from Maria Callas to Tracy Chapman. There's not one type of music that I like most, but I love reggae music. I love music from Africa. I think it goes with every mood. I love Alanis Morissette. I think it's the singing that is absolutely liberating, but just voices, you know, very sensitive to nice voices like that. But then I sing with my students and when they all sing and it's all in tune, then I get all teary. It's just, you know, when it's nicely done, anything, anything. Have you had a chance to travel much? We did some traveling. We were lucky to have been here before COVID. I have cousins in Australia, so we went there three times in the Margaret River region. So that was beautiful. We went to New Zealand. We went to Cambodia two or three times. Really liked it. So we attempt to do the same trips over and over again. We went to Japan, which was an eye-opening for me because, you know, you study Mandarin and you study China so much and the whole history and everything. And I was never too attracted by Japan and and Japanese and all the culture because I was so focused on on Chinese. Then we got there and it was absolutely beautiful, fascinating, really people just, I don't know, respectful and interesting and, and subtle. There's many, many adjectives, but Japan was a beautiful trip. Your family grew while you were here too. Absolutely, two boys now. So Louis is 10 and Samuel is 5. What's next? What's, What's the future next? hold? We're taking the whole family and moving to Luxembourg in five weeks time. How did you end up choosing Luxembourg? Or how did Luxembourg end up choosing you? We were looking for a place that was multicultural and multilinguistic. We wanted the kids to keep the English and the French because they're both in English plus and I speak French to them and Jim speaks English so that was very important. I have to add your oldest son is in your class right now. He is in my class. I remember when my son was in my mm-hmm. class and uh, he called me Mr. Papa. Nice. What does your son call you? Just calls me Maman. Maman. <laughs> Maman. Do I have to do that? Um, that's a very unique situation, it isn't is. it? It's really hard to describe what it's like to have your own kid in class. It's something that I'll cherish forever. I loved it. It it, it was super challenging. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But looking back, I'm glad I didn't miss that opportunity. It's huge. No, I've heard more people regretting having not done it than the other way around. So I thought, why not? And Louis was the one who asked me, can I be in your class? And he kept asking me last year. And I thought, well, we'll think about it. I was really, really happy that he had Natalie in French. 
because he needs to pick up a little bit more on his French, which he did. And if it had only been me, I would not have done it. But I only have him every other day, so it makes it easier. I remember when I had my son in class, some of the parents were like, well, can they do that? That's not allowed, is it? As if there was some kind of competition and, and my son was going to come in first because he right. was my son. I don't know how you feel, mm -hmm. but I think the year that I had my son in class, I somehow transferred part of that relationship to my students, mm -hmm. not a father-son relationship, but just a closeness and more of an awareness of the kids because True. they were his classmates and I could feel what they were feeling better because I was seeing it yeah. at home at the dinner table and listening to him talk mm -hmm. to his mother. I don't know, do you, do yeah, you sense no, I would that? Definitely, do you, have you sensed any difference for that? It was interesting. I was a bit nervous at the beginning, the first couple of days, introducing myself. And I said, Louis is my son. And the whole class said, okay. There was no reaction. And I think I'm a little harder on him than the others, so, <laughs> which is not, uh, not always easy. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a different relationship. And, and there's a lot of his friends that I know, you know, from play dates and birthday parties and things. So some of them I know really well. And so it's definitely an advantage. But yeah, it's been, it's, it's been you know, one year is enough. Right. <laughs> it's not always easy. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, I'm glad I did it. And definitely an interesting, interesting um, point of view. I mean, you see your kid in the middle of a group of 23, 24, and it's a different kid sometimes. It's, yeah. it's interesting. If your experience is anything like mine, 10 years from now, he's going to be telling you all these things that you weren't aware of. <laughs> I'm uh, sure. He's going to be ratting out his friends, <laughs> telling about all the things they got away with. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I hope he waits a little bit. Good. So you're heading off to Luxembourg, the yeah. whole family. My husband has always wanted to live in Europe. He's done so in the past. But, you know, after nine years in Asia, I think he it was in need of a change. Yeah, and the last <laughs> few years have been rough. Let's face it, COVID has been hard for Everyone. You need to spend two summers here, and uh, my father's not doing too well, so it's it's important that we go back. And I, the kids are, are longing for grandparents and cousins, and, and so are we. So we found this opportunity. We found a Luxembourgish school that has a European section, and so we'll be learning many languages, new languages, and teaching differently. So it'll be very interesting. Will you continue teaching elementary school? I should be teaching CE2, so primary three, in French. So I'm going back to teaching in French. You're going to be teaching francophone kids yeah. in French or, yeah. or bilingual kids? French kids, actually. So in the school, they teach the Luxembourgish curriculum, and then they have a French section, German section, and English section. So the French section is really small. It's growing. So it's a new class. They're opening the third grade for the first time, and then they'll open the fourth and the fifth. So it's fun. You know, clean slates. I'm going to create everything with them. It's a new class. It's Sounds a like a big change. Now, you recently got some more education, didn't you? Tell us about the program that you just went through. That was through. one of the reasons I put my son in my class too. Studied for six months and got my IB teaching certificate this year. So it's something I've always been interested in learning and just a different way of teaching. The policy and the whole motto of international baccalaureate learning is really interesting, trying to help kids develop and be global citizens and caring about the planet they're in and learning perspective and learning how to care for each other. I mean, it's just beautiful. So I started that end of September and finished in March. That so was fast. Very intense six months, about eight, 10 hours of homework a week. Everything we had to do was really useful and very interesting. Lots of reading, but also very practical tasks. And this very small cohort with a university in Canada called Western Education. You know, it's COVID time, so everything is online. But we had about 18 students, and we really felt like we knew each other. 
even if it was online and just forum and just great feedback from teachers and really implementing the IB way of teaching with us. So great examples and yeah, it was quite fascinating. Was there an age group focus? Was it PYP or For me, MYP? it was PYP. PYP. We look at the PYP, MYP, and DP. We go more in depth, of course, for the PYP, but the whole IB journey is really fascinating. Was it challenging to be working in a school that's not an IB school to work on the certificate, or were you able to apply the methods or techniques? I think since I've been teaching fourth grade for eight years now, I know the curriculum, I know what we're doing. We're changing things every year, but... The big lines I know, so I was able to switch around my way of teaching and having kids come up with their questions first. You keep teaching the same thing. Sometimes you tend to go too fast and you're like, okay, I know what I'm doing. Bah, bah, bah. And so it helped me slow down this year and say, okay, what do you want to know about this? And what do you know? That's the IB philosophy. It's just what are the kids interested in? And then, you know, what would make this meaningful for them to learn about it? So a lot of the science units and, and, and even the theater, I switched a lot lot of things around and so it came from them some of the things I did completely differently because they took me in a different direction so it was cool it was it Sounds was cool and, and I think there's a lot of things I will totally keep it must have been nice to have that cohort of colleague students mm -hmm. who you could share what you've been doing with yeah. and get their always, feedback and, always, and see yeah. if they're having the same type of experience Yeah, and we had colleagues just really everywhere in Bahrain and, and China and uh, New Zealand and so Canada. So very interesting, completely different points of view. And people who were just student teachers and teachers who've been teaching for 20 years and wanted to do something differently. So yeah, very interesting. And that's what's great about this school too. We have teachers from everywhere when you have time to talk with them. You learn a lot. You do. That's why I love to sit down with people and have these podcasts recorded for yeah. people who don't have time. Maybe if they're awake in the middle of the night, they can pop this exactly. in, their, in their earphones <laughs> and mm -mm. and snooze a bit while they listen. Exactly. Who knows? Marie Papillon, <laughs> thank you for thank sitting you. down with us on Parkour Ed. Mm -hmm. And we are going to miss you here mm -hmm. at IFS yeah. and wish you the best of luck for you thank and you. your whole family for the future. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Parkour Ed with Colin Daly. Please let us know what you think of the podcasts by sending an email to cdaily at ifs.edu.sg.